On today's episode, Arch Manning schedules his third visit to the University of Texas. Your Texas baseball team sweeps the Alabama Crimson Tide to stay undefeated, and the Texas men's basketball program goes into West Virginia and gets a tough Big 12 conference win. Longhorn Nation, welcome back. Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jonathan Davis, the voice of of University of Texas football and basketball. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Longhorns your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Longhorns on YouTube for exclusive content and to put a face behind the voice of your favorite podcast. Make sure you like us, rate us, review us, give us five stars, anything less than that. I have to believe you're not listening hard enough. So Arch Manning schedules his third visit to the University of Texas to the 40 acres and this is a really good sign for what i think um is one of the two teams leading in the arch manning sweepstakes right now the march for arch the arch to austin um, i think alabama and texas are the top two teams to land arch manning services the number one prospect and quarterback in the 2023 recruiting class arch manning heading into his senior season at isidore newman high school in New Orleans, Louisiana. If you haven't heard of Arch Manning up until now, he is, and you recognize the last name, he is the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning and the grandson of Archie Manning, um, all three quarterbacks who had a little bit of success in the NFL. Um, Arch Manning is 6'4", uh, 215 pounds out of Isidore Newman, once again, in New Orleans, Louisiana. And his three years in high school thus far, he has amassed 5,731 passing yards, 72 touchdowns, and 18 interceptions. Now, he doesn't have the gaudy passing numbers that you would normally see uh, from a number one prospect, a number one quarterback. If we compare it to Quinn Ewers, who's currently on campus at the 40 Acres in two years compared to three years from Arch Manning, he had 6,445 passing yards, 73 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So that's in two years, once again, compared to three years. Uh, but when you watch the tape of Arch Manning, you see all the tools. Um, you know, he has the pedigree because of his family um, and he's just smooth, you know, and and, and definitely um, is, is the prime uh, recruit, the prime commitment that Steven Sarkeesian and his staff are looking for in the 2023 class. So once again, he makes his third visit to the University of Texas on March 24th, Texas football starts its spring practices on March 22nd, Tuesday, March 22nd. So March 24th will be their second spring practice. And I'm not sure if he'll stay until the 26th or past the 26th on that Saturday, which would be their third uh, spring practice. And so he's going to get to see hopefully a much improved Texas football team, get to interact with some more of the coaches and just become uh, more familiar. Like I said, he's already been to the program twice. Once on June 12, 2021, after Sark, Steven Sarkeesian was named the head coach of the Texas Longhorns football program. He also made another visit on October 16th when the University of Texas played Oklahoma State. Now, a lot of you know Texas fans and people feared uh, that that may have had 
uh, a negative effect on Arch Manning's recruitment. We know that Texas was up eight points going into the fourth quarter of that game before Oklahoma State outscored them 16 to zero in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and Texas kind of collapsed uh, in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter in that game. So, um, but it didn't seem to affect him too much. He's making his third visit. And after the, uh, the game, he talked about how he had a great experience uh, at the game, you know, even though they probably got a little quiet uh, towards the end. Uh, he talked about how uh, he really had uh, the staff continued to treat him really well. And he really enjoyed um, just the look of the campus. We know that Texas has uh, one of the best campuses in the country uh, in Austin. So it, it seems, you know, that he had a great time and, and we're hoping that he can build on that in his third visit to the University of Texas. And so I think this puts UT in a really good light. Once again, I think they're in the top two with Alabama. They are in competition uh, with some other SEC schools. We saw a report come out recently saying that it pretty much was a lock that he had narrowed it down to Texas and Alabama. And then his dad, amongst other people, came out and said that that was premature and he wants to weigh all of his options. And then since then, uh, we've seen two schools kind of get added to the mix. So right now, Georgia, Ole Miss, LSU, and Florida are in the hunt for Arch Manning services along with UT and Alabama. So um, although there are six schools in the running, I still do think that Texas and Alabama are in the top two. Um, but right now, all six schools have a chance to land the number one prospect in the 2023 class in Arch Manning. We know that Arch Manning uh, has talked about how he wants to go to a school um, and re that really prioritizes the development of quarterbacks, has, has a good staff in place to help with the development of quarterbacks. And we know that starts with Steven Sarkeesian, an uh, offensive mastermind who has a pedigree of working with and developing quarterbacks at USC, Washington. And we saw what he was able to do um, at Alabama with Mac Jones and, and Bryce Young. And hopefully uh, what he's able to do with the number one prospect in the 2021 class Quinn Ewers, who should be the starting quarterback this year. I've been banging the drum for that to happen, and I will continue to do that uh, until the Louisiana Monroe game or until Sark uh, names a starter. So um, it starts with Steven Sarkeesian. We've also heard the reports that Sark, uh, along with all the great additions he's made to the coaching staff um, in the offseason, that he's looking to bring in David Cutcliffe in an analyst role, uh, off-the-field analyst role. So David Cutcliffe, the former head coach, at Duke, who did wonders with Daniel Jones, uh, probably got him overdrafted, uh, number six overall uh, in the NFL draft. He hasn't lived up to that in his time with the New York Giants. We know that he coached Peyton Manning, Arch Manning's uncle, at Tennessee. We know that he coached Eli Manning, Arch Manning's uncle, at Ole Miss. And they have a really great relationship with David Cutcliffe. Uh, every offseason, they would go back uh, to Duke, Durham, North Carolina, and participate in throwing sessions uh, with David Cutcliffe. And so the, the biggest reason to bring him on staff is for the recruitment of Arch Manning and have somebody else who has a proven track record of developing quarterbacks. Now, he also could come in and, and work with Quinn Ewers, Hudson Carr, Malik Murphy, uh, whoever they bring in and, and help them. But you know that the primary focus uh, is for him to come in and, and help recruit and ultimately develop Arch Manning at the 40 acres. So him taking a third visit once again on March 24th, 2022 is a great sign for the University of Texas. I think that, you know, they're in the lead right now. I, I, I honestly think we're above Alabama. You know, I could be drinking the Kool-Aid. I could be bleeding burnt orange right now. But I, I think that Texas is the favorites to, to land Arch Manning services. And we know that he wants to make a decision before the start of his senior year. So we should see um, a decision 
you come uh, from Arch Manning within the next four to five months. And I think Texas, you know, their slogan for the 22 uh, recruiting class was all gas, no breaks. I think they need to be all gas, no breaks. And when it comes to the recruitment of Arch Manning and hopefully uh, the visit on March 24th goes well. Uh, and he looks to uh, be the successor, hopefully, uh, to Quinn Ewers in his two to three years at the 40 acres. And then, like I said, if you if you have Quinn Ewers, uh, we've talked about Texas is back and, you know, what they'll be able to do over the next few years, how they'll transition to the SEC. It all starts with just great quarterback play. You see uh, what teams like C.J. Stroud at Ohio State were able to do. Um, Bryce Young, just the young quarterbacks that have the NFL pedigree, they come in and those programs, they don't really change uh, what you're doing at the program because they're, they've just been reloading. But with Texas, a team that's looking to get back to the glory days, if you can have Quinn Ewers and then follow that up with Arch Manning, um, basically two out of the last three number one quarterbacks in their respective recruiting classes, um, it only bodes well uh, for Texas football really being back. So Arch Manning, March 24th, third visit to University of Texas. We're looking for a commitment from him, the number one prospect in the 2023 class over the next few months as he goes into his senior season at Isidore Newman High School in New Orleans, Louisiana. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. So over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and yesterday, we saw the number one baseball team in the country in action going against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, a little preview of what's going to happen when the Texas football team plays the Alabama Crimson Tide on September 10th in Austin. Hopefully, both teams came into the series 5-0. and Texas had beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi and Rice in their five games. Um, outscoring those teams by a combined score of 53 to seven. And once again, Alabama came in five and oh. Um, so we're just hoping to win the series and, and it was going to be a tough matchup against an SEC opponent. Well, your Texas Longhorns remained undefeated, continue to validate that number one ranking in the college, college baseball polls as they swept them. And they are now eight and oh on the season, turned a five and oh team that was, you know, really feeling good about themselves going home back to Alabama five and three and, and wondering where everything went wrong. And it all started with the pitches. So we're going to start on Friday with the one to zero win a nail biter. The temperature was in the thirties. It was really cold. It was really windy, not the typical baseball atmosphere that you would like to see. And both starting pitchers were dominant. And that probably had something to do uh, with the wind, with the cold conditions. We saw a couple balls that maybe, you know, if it was warmer, <laughs> probably would have went out of the, went out of the ballpark, but, you know, the wind might have brought it back in, you know, and that might have favored Texas a little bit. Uh, but once again, both starting pitchers were dominant. Uh, Garrett McMillan for the Alabama Crimson Tide went six scoreless, only allowing three hits to the Texas Longhorns. Pete Hampson, your Big 12 preseason conference pitcher of the year, five innings pitched, eight Ks. His strikeout stuff has been crazy. 
this season thus far as he goes to 2-0 and on the season. Um, he only gave up four hits. So it was a tough-fought battle between the starters. Nobody could get anything going. Texas scored the lone run of the game in the seventh inning on a pass ball and a wild pitch. So Skylar Messenger uh, was on second base. They had a single and a walk that allowed Skylar Messenger to get on second base. And then he was able to advance to third on the pass ball and then advance home on a wild pitch. So uh, didn't even take a hit or, or a walk uh, for him to be brought in. So it just tells you how little offense there was in that game that he really scored on two uh, mistakes by the pitcher and the catcher respectively. And then closer Aaron Nixon uh, came in to, to get the last five outs. He came in in the eighth inning um, and, and things were a little rough for him. The, the fastball wasn't working. He kind of had to rely on more of the off speed pitches uh, with his slider. He really went more so to his slider uh, to strike pitchers out. He ended up loading. The bases ended up being loaded in the eighth. He got out of that. I'm sure you've seen the, the viral video by now of, of Aaron Nixon with the nasty slider uh, to, to strike out and get out of the eighth inning. And then he was able uh, to get out of the ninth and secure the 1-0 win on Friday for the Texas Longhorns. Aaron Nixon, one of the eight players uh, selected to the Big 12 all-conference team. Uh, so they got the win to go to 6-0 on Friday. And then on Saturday, uh, Tristan Stevens took the mound and the Texas Longhorns won that game. Two to zero has six shutout innings. He's been dominant once again. Him and Pete Hansen have not allowed a run yet this season. That's really kind of been just the theme uh, for the Texas Longhorns. Period, as they've only allowed eight runs in eight games thus far. And then Luke Harrison got his first save of his Texas Longhorns career uh, coming in the three inning save. You know, so he, he put in work uh, for that one. Three shutout innings with one, only one hit allowed. Um, and Alabama outhit Texas on Friday and on Saturday, uh, but just some clutch pitching uh, caused them to leave a lot of runners on base, and they just couldn't score uh, the first two games. So Douglas Hodo, the third, had an RBI double in the third, while Austin Todd gave the Longhorns a 2-0 lead, and that score would stick for the remainder of the game in the fourth inning with a RBI single. Texas Longhorns are set 7-0 at that point. Going into Sunday, trying to get the sweep against a team that was 5-0 and uh, coming into that series. And they ultimately get the sweep, winning 6-1. to one. Uh, Tanner Witt had a career-high 9Ks yesterday. Just looked nasty. The, the, the slider was working. The fastball was working. Once again, career-high 9Ks in six innings. And then Lucas Gordon and Aaron uh, Nixon were able to finish it out in that uh, seventh through ninth innings. Um, not allowing a run. So the only run was allowed uh, by Tanner Witt. He's allowed two earned runs this season. He did allow a home run in the fifth inning, but that's all that Alabama was able to do on the offensive side. Austin Todd put the first run on the board in the fourth inning. Trey Faultine and Dylan Campbell hit back-to-back -back RBI singles to bust the game open in the sixth to take a 4-1 lead. And then Murphy Stelly drove in the uh, sixth run of the game, the final run of the game, for the Texas Longhorns with the RBI triple in the eighth inning. The Alabama Crimson Tide, who came in undefeated, were no match for your number one team in the country, your baseball Longhorns, as they move to 8-0. Next up for them, they travel to Huntsville on Tuesday night as they look to get their ninth win of the season against the Sam Houston Bearcats. They should not have an issue doing that. And then they will participate in the Shriners Hospitals for Children Classic in Houston this weekend on 
Friday, they will play Tennessee. On Saturday, they play LSU. And then on Sunday, they play UCLA at Minute Maid Park, the home of the Houston Astros in Houston, Texas. I am a Houston resident. I will be going to see the number one baseball team in the country this weekend, your Texas Longhorns. So they continue um, to validate that number one ranking. They continue to look like the best team in the country. They continue to look like uh, the heavy favorites to win uh, the college baseball championship this year at the College World Series. So make sure you're supporting your Texas Longhorns baseball team as they are dominating at the 40 acres this season. Hungry? Try Built Bar, especially the pups. If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, and they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pop. Mmm, so good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein, replace your candy bars with these. Some more flavors for you. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and white chocolate cookies and cream. I need that one. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15. For 15% off at built.com. All right, Longhorn Nation. So your Texas men's basketball team went into West Virginia. They, they shot off the musket. Um, you know, Texas were, were uh, favored to win the game. They're coming off the win against TCU where they overcame a double-digit deficit. And early on, it didn't look like they were going to have to do that, even though they ended up being down 10 points in the second half overcoming that to win their second straight game where they were down by 10 points in the second half. And, and I thought the, the early keys were to the game where they really weren't letting them play. Uh, the, the refs were deciding the game. The, the teams combined to shoot 65 free throws. And we saw in the first half, Brock Cunningham got ejected on a flagrant two, which was a really questionable call. Now, he did hit the player in the face. And I think Brock Cunningham has a little bit of a, a reputation of being a borderline player. You know, Chris Beer came out after the game and said he knows he's not a dirty player. He knows that he doesn't coach that. Um, I thought it was a flagrant one. He did hit him in the face, but I thought he was going for the ball. They called it a flagrant two. They ejected him. And I thought that started to play a role in the second half. We know that Brock Cunningham just kind of makes winning plays. You know, he doesn't necessarily just have a role. There's not one thing you can just point to and say he's great at, but he makes winning plays for the Texas Longhorns. His effort, um, all things of that such. And this is a team that's already um, missing size. Dylan DeZoo is still not uh, – just doesn't look like he has the full trust of Chris Beard yet to, to fully put him out there. Uh, Christian Bishop is really kind of the only post presence outside of Timmy Allen um, that you can rely on consistently um, to, to handle in the post. Uh, so when Brock Cunningham, you lost his size, uh, Trey Mitchell's out on the leave of absence. I thought West Virginia was able to take advantage of that in the second half. So Texas was up six at halftime. Uh, and then they went on a drought. They just started turning over the ball. I mean, the first six minutes, they only had one field goal and like six turnovers. West Virginia was able to take 
uh, a 10 point lead. And I, I thought Chris Beard made some really good adjustments. So we saw in the TCU game, uh, they were really attacking them with that high ball screen, Mike Miles uh, coming off the screens and, and getting to the basket. And it took a while for them to adjust to that. And I thought in this West Virginia game, uh, what was different? First of all, Malik Curry allowed 27 points to him. They did a good job on Taz Sherman, who only had 13 points on 16 shots, but they allowed Millie Curry to go for 27. But really, uh, their aggressiveness on, on cutting to the basket and not us not having size at the rim and just not being able to stop um, those cuts. You know, I thought that Bob Huggins did a really good job of drawing those up. Taz Sherman, um, Lee Curry, really just all of those players did a, did a good job of cutting on, on back screens, getting to the rim. And, and Texas, at first, wasn't able to defend it. Um, and, you know, they went down 10. And then Timmy Allen, excuse me, you know, they were, chant they were chanting Teddy. Uh, his brother played at West Virginia for a season. But Timmy Allen kind of took over um, in the second half. He had 26 points, a new season high for him uh, with the Texas Longhorns. His career high is 27, so he was almost there. But he had 26. He had 15 of his 26 points in the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, Jace Febris had 14 points on four of five three-pointers. Marcus Carr had 15 points. He was in foul trouble for the majority of the game. Like I said, the guards were putting a lot of pressure on our guards, um, cutting to the basket, getting to the rim. And, and Chris Beard kind of had to, you know, platoon the point guards. Said Devin Askew played a lot of minutes. Uh, Jace Fairbrook saw some time there, and he brought Marcus Carr in uh, when he could on the offensive end. And he went six for six, had a really good game. And I, I think since uh, scoring zero points against Texas Tech, he's really made it a point uh, to just forget, you know, about the playmaking. I know he has to make plays for other players, but he's really just came in and said, I'm going to get to my spots. I'm going to get my shots and we're going to live and die um, with my playmaking and, and my scoring ability. And, you know, he didn't miss a shot. So he's been a lot more aggressive. And, and I think that's been the key. Once again, Timmy Allen, you know, just down the stretch, rebounding, um, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. He, he was really huge. And, you know, they talked about after the game, Chris Beard, Jace Fabris, and um, Timmy Allen just talked about the toughness of this basketball team. And, you know, I saw the comparisons. A lot of people were saying, under Shaka Smart, this is a game that the Texas Longhorns would have lost, uh, especially the last two games being down 10. This is just a team um, that's resilient now. They probably wouldn't have shown that resilience in the past. And, you know, I love Chris Beard. I don't know if we have to, you know, put down Shaka Smart to praise what Chris Beard has done. But uh, with them being one of the best defensive teams in the country, with them being resilient, you do see kind of a, a new swagger, a new moxie, uh, a new toughness, a new grittiness to this Texas basketball team that we haven't seen in the past. And I think that's going to bode really well for them as they go into their final two games of the regular season into the Big 12 Conference tourney in Kansas City, Missouri, and then ultimately in the NCAA tournament. They're looking to secure a four seed in the NCAA tournament right now. They might be a fifth seed, a fringe four. Uh, we'll see what they're able to do um, against Baylor tonight and then against Kansas on Saturday and ultimately in the Big 12 tournament. That'll go a long way into determining whether they are um, a four or five seed. But I think two really good wins in a row against TCU and um, West Virginia, you know, bouncing back off of that loss to Texas Tech. <laughs> and, you know, tonight is the last game in the Irwin Center, so I think they got to come out with some fire. Baylor looked like they were going to get run off the court by Kansas again, and then they responded really well, came back and won that game. So it's going to be a tough matchup. You know, when you have to close out Big 12 conference play, any team is tough. You know, West Virginia – had lost five in a row. They were last in the Big 12. And that's a team that took a 10-point lead on Texas. So you can only imagine, uh, you know, the trouble they're in for or the tough matchup they have tonight against Baylor and, and on Saturday against Kansas, uh, two teams who are likely going to be one and two seeds, respectively, in the NCAA tournament. But they just talked about building, um, just continuing to build, and they know who they are, and, and people have slept on them. And, 
And so hopefully they can continue to build on that and, uh, you know, make strides going into the Big 12 Conference tournament. And, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If they continue to be aggressive offensively, if Marcus Carr is it passive, if Timmy Allen is playing the way that he has, if they're able to get Trey Mitchell back, uh, this is a team that nobody uh, wants to line up across from. Nobody wants to see that burnt orange and white on the other side of the court. And, you know, Bob Huggins made some comments before the game, you know, saying that, you know, he didn't think that, you know, Chris Beard assembling a team full of transfers, bringing in seven transfers uh, would, would benefit the team. And he thought it would be hard for them to win. Well, they went 2-0 against West Virginia this year. So I think that Bob Huggins will have to wait a little bit for that prediction to be right. That Longhorn Nation, thank you for tapping in once again to Locked On Longhorns, making us your first listen of the day. As always, peace.